0: Praise be to God. As we wrap up Luke, a friend said to me, man, are you sad? You're Luke's over. I'm like, I know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss that blue background. I've been in it for some time and the evidence is truly endless. So we could just sit on this chapter for weeks and I, I just felt the stirring for some time to, to go through a little marriage relational series and see how us as the body can, can really be in prayer, learn some lessons and how we work together as a body to, to love one another and build each other up um, before, before Father's Day, and we celebrate just the, the work God's going to do, reaching into our community, inviting families to be a part of God's family that day. And today's another day where we celebrate and look at Jesus' death, and our hope is in Him and what He's accomplished in the war. Of sin and death. And it's it's a day in our nation we call Memorial Day weekend. And if if you're like me, you grew up as an American, it's all hot dogs, and everything you Googles about hot dogs and how many hot dogs are eaten. like so where did this thing even come from? Like why do we sing in church? Why do we do this? And why do we do this as an American holiday? It's interesting because when when our nation realized slavery was a sin, that, that African Americans and Native Americans we still struggle when we look at people's skin and we look at the outside, but as God's word says, God looks at our heart. And, and for a glimpse there, we actually saw, hey, we should look at our heart, and we fought a war over it, and a lot of men died, leaving a lot of wives and, and kids without their dad. And Abraham said this after Memorial Day was, was a holiday celebrating and, and remembering those lives that, have, that were lost, given to try and bring freedom to slaves, and to heal a nation. He said this, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. We're to be peacemakers, but that's only possible if Jesus has made peace between us and God possible because otherwise we'll just be selfish and that's where our nation has continued to fall apart as when we look to ourselves and we look for divisions among us as we see in scripture but today as we remember the lives that were lost trying in our nation to bring unity and freedom as it's fought for that goal, peace among ourselves and, and the world, we, all, we know the true one that brings that peace is Jesus and that's where James encourages us to do the same thing we were talking about, to care for the orphans and widows. And so this Memorial Day, as we remember those lives that were lost, trying to preserve freedom here and abroad, as best we can steward that on this side of heaven, may we look to continue to care for the orphans and widows and celebrate this Memorial Day weekend. It's interesting when we think about death, and you go to those graves and you think about those soldiers, and you think about, as, you, as many of you know, people and. and with the you know early two thousands, I'm in high school and a buddy's over fighting a war and, and and he's in a tragic accident and most of his guys died there or in suicide later, and and you realize how finite our lives really are and it puts things into perspective and it really messes you up psychologically, emotionally, and and, and when we talk about the resurrection, it's easy, especially for for me believed in it for quite a while They'd go oh, yeah jesus is alive cool and they'd be, but i mean putting us back in that spot where they thought the military was about to take over jesus was going to flip rome kick them out and they were going to set up this new government where they were going to sit on the right and left hand of jesus and, and they were going to rule potentially on the sea and they were going to have a spot there with a castle and just reigning. and all of a sudden jesus is gone he's dead and so that's where the resurrection is, is everything. Because it flipped what they thought was going to occur upside down. The resurrection vindicated the reason for the gospel and redemption. The purpose of the gospel is not just that we might experience forgiveness of sin. The purpose of the gospel is that we, having been forgiven of our sin, could enter into eternal life and live in that heavenly realm with God forever. In perfect holiness, perfect joy Glorified physical body, free of any pain, any shame. And that bodily resurrection, where Jesus walks out of the grave, the gospel proclaimed. And it threw them for a loop, as it does many of us when we share the gospel. It's always a reminder of, yeah, this is a crazy good news, I'm telling someone, you're actually in sin. Anything you say, think, or do that goes against God is going to separate you. They're like, what? Especially the way our culture goes. It's like, I get to do whatever I want. That's how we believe now. It's like, no, actually, you can't. But the good news is God wants to pay for your sin. He wants to make a way for you to have a right relationship with him. And the gospel is that promise of an eternal hope, but it doesn't promise us an escape now That we would just have this blissful, perfect, influential life, void of any suffering or pain, but rather frames our suffering and our pain in a way that, yes, there's hurt, but even through the hurts, God reveals himself to us. And it's interesting how C.S. Lewis says, God speaks to us while we suffer. He whispers in our joys, but he shouts in our pain. He's shouting through the pain, through the sufferings when you hear him the most and you sense his presence the closest. there was a woman once who was just really suffering and, and struggling and, and a pastor friend went up and, and said, I, have, I want to submit to you this. I might be off, but I, I sense the spirit telling me that you have your devotion time in, in bed every morning, right? And she's like, yeah, I do. And He said, Jesus wants you to know he's there at the edge of the bed with you in your struggle, in your pain, he's there. And she's like, that's what I was praying for, that I would have a confirmation that God is drawing near to me. But the only way that Jesus could draw near is if he was out of the grave, if the tomb was rolled away, if he was alive and living and ruling. And so we see when Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. I got you up early for nothing. You guys should have been sleeping in, having pancakes in bed. Like, what are we doing here? Think about that, like people that come to church that don 't want to follow jesus i don 't understand it it 's a new kind of mental thing that i 'm like i don 't know how you do that because if jesus wasn 't raised and i didn 't believe in jesus i i 'm going to hang out with who I want to hang out with i don 't want to hang out with a bunch of strangers, like I love you all, but it 's amazing it 's a miracle we, we experience every Sunday because most of us don't hang out unless we're in a life group, again, following Jesus. But in our normal days, we're doing other things all around our county. But often, most of us, I know, are doing it for the Lord. And then we come together and encourage one another with the God at work, saying, hey, I was called in my school to start a good news club. You guys prayed for me. Some of you said yes and made it possible with me. And 10 kids said yes. And now you're going to eat with them in the wedding feast in heaven one day. And you get to celebrate that. But you weren't tangibly, physically a part of, but we are as the body. It's, it's this miracle that we're all together because Christ was raised. And as we preach that gospel, that because he was raised, we have this eternal hope and we get to experience the blessing now. And that's why, as we look at this, the power of the gospel account, when we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's four eyewitness accounts that are documented Seeing Jesus alive, seeing him do ministry, and, and they account for the, the resurrection. And four, those four Gospels highlight four things. They also share different vantage points, different facts, but they all agree and have shared the same four things. The four are, they look at the emptiness of the tomb. Number one, the stone's rolled away. There's no body. In the grave, that tomb is empty. Second, the testimony of angels—they all four agree that the tomb's empty, and there was angels there testifying to the women. Why are you at a graveyard? Did you not remember Jesus said to meet him? He's not here. And the witness of the women—I gave the third one away. That was huge. The women, the gospel's always elevating the role of women. They didn't need women's rights in our, in our day and age, right? Jesus was always, God was always doing that, which is amazing because religion, where Satan doesn't create anything new, he just twists God's word or twists truth. Religion's always dividing based on class, race, color, gender, but the gospel's always bringing everyone together in Christ. And lastly, they all give very detailed accounts proving it's true because if you're making a story up, you wouldn't make yourself look dumb. And all the apostles, the, bo- the men, the boys, right? They were like, what's happening? I don't understand. They didn't believe. So all four things are, are in every Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four. The empty tomb, the testimony of the angels, the witness of the women... And then the apostles didn't believe. First, we see the tomb is empty. The resurrection, they they created, they're like, okay, the body's gone. How are we going to, and the last minute they tried to cover it up. Like, someone took the body. The body was stolen. And that's the natural, like, type A person. I'm I'm not that way. I'm like, well, hey, where's Matthew? He was writing stuff down. Didn't he say something about not being dead for too long? I think I kind of remember, like, you might have jogged your memory, but the type A people, especially the women, are there to do what? They had spices because they didn't get to finish the job of embalming his body and preparing him for for burial because they rushed him in as he died before Passover. You couldn't, before the the Sabbath. On Saturday, you can't touch dead bodies. So before sundown, they had to hurry, rush, kind of do a quick job, throw him in the tomb and they went back to hopefully get the Romans, maybe they had some bacon, you know, they cooked up some bacon and eggs, really. They saved some bacon for the guards. They're like, hey, guards, we got some bacon. Roll the stone away for us to finish the job. Like, we're Jews. We can't touch this stuff, so hopefully we cooked it right for you. We don't do this on occasion, but we know you Romans love your bacon. They came bribing. There's no Romans. There's no stone. They're like, well, all right, we don't need the bacon, but they have all the spices, and there's angels there. They're like, why are you here? And they're like, as you know, ladies are. It's like, we have a job to do. Where's the body? We need to figure out where the body is because we need to finish the job, get the body back in the tomb. What's going on? And the angels are like, what? Just calm you down, comfort you. Why are you looking for living among the dead? Why are you at a graveyard? He said he wouldn't stay dead. Remember, Jesus told you the truth. Interestingly, not surprisingly though, in verse eight, they remember his words. They're like, oh yeah, he did say that. And so then, after they remind them, they return from the tomb, and they tell the things that the eleven and the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women, and with them who told these things to the apostles. But it says in verse 11, the words seemed to them as an idle tale. Remember, Jesus told you. Jesus told them multiple times, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be killed, but don't worry, and three days later, Wait for me. I'm going to come back to life. We have three specific accounts recorded of him telling them this. So when the angels reminded them, they're like, oh yeah, he did say that. Let's go tell the apostles. But the apostles didn't believe. And Peter and John ran. Luke just tells us about Peter. So Peter rose up, ran to the tomb, stooping, looked in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went on marveling at what had happened. And then we see a break here where the women... saw the empty tomb, they went and told them, and then we see Luke jumps right to the road to Emmaus, which we'll get there in a minute, but I want to bring in Matthew, and later on we're going to end with, with, with John's account of Mary going back to the, to the tomb. So the women respond to the angel because Mary leaves, and so they remember what Jesus said, as it was recorded for them, three times that he would be delivered as a sinful man, but on the third day he would rise. So they leave the tomb, and in Matthew 28 8, on the way, they had this fear, but Jesus shows up and it's like, hey, good morning, ladies. So bacon, huh? Like, I don't know. He's just casually just is like, hey, ladies, what's going on? They're like, what? Jesus, you're not, what? Ah, you're alive. This is awesome. And he just, you know, gives them a hug and, hey, how's it going? Hey, make sure you're gentle on the guys, okay? They're going to take it a little rough. Just be. You know, you got the angels; they didn't. So just remember, okay. Interestingly, context, okay. The guys are on a long walk, seven miles, and they're trying to figure it out. And they're like, "I don't, it's I don't know how this works." Uh, he was dead. Like now, the women say the empty tomb. Peter ran and saw it, but I don't know. So these guys are, they're processing this in verse sixteen. Or verse 15, while they were walking and talking and discussing together, Jesus himself draws near and goes with them. We see now we're seeing the scriptures become open and fulfilled here as Jesus draws himself near. So basically their two disciples are walking and Jesus unassumedly just kind of walks up. It's kind of like, you know, when you're driving along, you're maybe zoning out a little bit, and a car all of a sudden shows up in your blind spot, and you're like, whoa, there's a car there, because we don't walk seven miles anymore. So it's kind of hard to you know, bring that analogy of you're tired, you're just kind of zoning out, walking, and all of a sudden you look over and there's a dude there. Um, and you're like, oh, okay. And so they didn't acknowledge him as Jesus. They just thought he was this guy walking with them. In verse 16, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So then he says to them, what is the conversation you guys are talking about like this is a weird conversation you're talking about a dead guy rising from the grave what and and they get a little agitated one of them says are you the only visitor to jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened like are you dumb blind deaf what's going on dude how do you not know that this guy jesus who claimed to be god died and 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 we like now he's actually thinking he's alive like we've heard testimonies and he says in verse 19 he's like what things tell me more See, Jesus could have just showed up and been like, hey guys, why are you walking to Emmaus? Remember I told you I was going to come back to life? What are we doing? You guys are distracted already? It's been three days. You know, that's what I feel like sometimes when I leave my kids in the kitchen to put things away. It's been three seconds. Like, where are you, you know, dishes are broken. There's peanut butter everywhere. But Jesus doesn't. He's like, hey, what's going on? What things are you talking about? Explain. The message of hope and forgiveness, but it's his method of relationally, patiently, through conversation. Hey, tell me what's going on. What have you experienced? And so they say, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And then they point the finger. And the chief priests and rulers had to mess everything up. They condemned him to death and crucified him. Those losers, can you believe that? And they go on and on, and then they say this. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. We thought he was going to overthrow the Romans and set up his government and put me on a a nice, you know, ruling region, Caesarea, on the water. That's where I was hoping I could just set up my ruling, you know, governance. I'd be the governor or at least the, the city planner maybe of Caesarea so I'd have a nice spot on the beast. But he's gone now. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, I had hoped Jesus was it. It seemed like he had a shot, but now he's dead. And then he says, besides this, it's three days. It's been three days. Like, there's no hope. There's no reason for us to hope. But then verse 24, he's like, I don't, I'm confused because the women of our company, they were at the tomb this morning and they said they couldn't find his body. And some of our guys went and checked it out and they verified the body's not there. And so then verse 25, after Jesus listened, he responds, oh, foolish ones, which is basically like, you idiots, Are you seriously that thick-headed? Like you've had the Bible, you've read it, you've memorized it. By the time they're 12, they would have had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy memorized. How are you doing on that? We there yet? No. Like they had it memorized. And Jesus is like, oh my goodness, I spent 33 years on this earth. Three years with you, discipling you. How's your discipleship going at home? How's your Sunday school class? Maybe some of you have been back. It's, it's slow going. Here, it's the method. Patiently, continually reminding. The women at the tomb had to be reminded. Remember just a couple days ago, he said, he did it. He's a man of his word. And so Jesus says, you foolish ones, slow of heart and to believe all the prophets have spoken. He points back to his word. Wasn't it necessary that Christ should suffer those things in order to enter into his glory? Suffering before glory. It's so quickly even for us, we think, oh, it's great. We're Americans. It's Those poor people everywhere else, they have to suffer, but we don't. We don't have to suffer. When suffering comes, we freak out because most religions don't really deal with it. Jesus says, no, join me in my suffering. Watch me. The world hated me. It's going to hate you. This is how we love others. When the world's against me, And when they love sin more than their savior, you, you, you win by losing. And he's saying, look, it's, it's been talked about all through scripture. Everything you memorized as a kid, it was all about me doing what I just did. And I told you I was going to do it and I'm here. It's finished. So at the beginning in verse 27, with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all of scripture, the things concerning himself. And when they got near the village, he just started to, you know, he, he just kept walking. And they, they went into the, you know, they're like, uh, this is where we get our, our street tacos. It's really good. And Jesus, you should come back. <laughs> the best carne asada right here. And he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm good. And it was getting late. And they're like, no, you should seriously, like, probably not keep walking at dark. Like this, you're going into the, you know, skid row. You're going into the bad part of town. Come get the tacos. We'll finish our journey tomorrow. He comes in. In verse 31, he opens their eyes. They recognize him. Gone. He vanishes. Now, if you're like me, it's like, Lord, I've had a lot. Past couple days, you saw you die. I freaked out. I was hiding out. Now you're here, and now you're gone. Like, I didn't even get to finish my tacos. Maybe my buddy would have been like, I'm starving. I'll eat his. You know, I don't know. But the amazing thing is that as Scripture was open and fulfilled, he was gentle with them. The gospel of good news, that Jesus came to die for you. He gives us the method at how we Share it. We don't come in. He doesn't come in with a a Torah, with scroll to beat him over the head and say, you sinners, you guys are idiots. He comes in, hey, what's going on? What are you talking about? Can you tell me more about that? Through conversation, questioning. And then he shared, hey, can I share with you? All of this is about me. Like, I don't know how you missed me. It's all there. I'm, I'm all in there. But you just haven't been looking because they were looking for a political They were looking for the next four years to vote for the next candidate. They were looking for the next spending bill to build up the military. They were looking for the next pay raise. They were looking for the next boycott thing they could do. They were looking for the next thing that they could do to accomplish their ideas. Nowhere in there was a dying, suffering Savior that would rise from the grave. That that wasn't in there for them. Even though they could have read Isaiah 53. Even though Zechariah 9.9 says he's going to come in on a donkey. Even though it says he's going to be put up in between two thieves. Even though it says there's going to be, he's going to be buried with thieves. But last second, all of a sudden, this rich guy is going to offer his tomb. And he's going to be buried with rich people like Joseph of Arimathea. It's all in there about Jesus. Hundreds of prophecies to a T. Jesus is like, I could be here all night. And they're like, it's, we get it. We see you, Jesus. Like, okay, I blew it but he's so gracious and he's so patient. And it's so overwhelming, the evidence. And it's amazing when you start to see it because if you're, if you're type A again, you just eat it up and you can put it all in boxes. For me, it's like, wow, you did all that for all these people who have all these different experiences to be able to see and turn from their sin and be forgiven and be healed. The tomb was open and empty. The scriptures were open and fulfilled. And for the first time, they could see and believe. And it's amazing because he gives the impression he's going further. He never, he's never pushing on you. He's never forcing you. He's never controlling you. He's always open to you, just turning and believing and receiving. He's always there. And he desires you to seek him. And it's the same method that Philip in the eunuch in Acts chapter 8 when the eunuch was like I don't know what to do and God moved you know this miraculous like Jesus just poof vanished Philip's praying and God's like poof you're with this eunuch now tell him all about scri- scripture what Jesus did he interpreted all of scripture which is why bible study and devotions right you're in your daily devotion that'd be a bummer to miss that daily devotion if you're Philip like oh man That's what I would have, you know, in heaven, God's like, I had this great daily devotion planned for you at the end of it. I was going to miraculously move you into this eunuch's chariot. You could have interpreted all of scripture, baptized them there in the river. It would have been amazing, but you missed that devotion. I don't know if anyone else thinks that way, but I'm like, I better read today because I don't know if I get transported to someone's Tesla. I get to share the gospel with them. I don't know. We'll see what happens tomorrow. But that's the God we serve. He can do miracles. He can heal like he healed... Our brother, and he testified about it on yesterday. I was like, wow, I had all these small group questions, but I think I'm going to go with that testimony. That wins um, about trusting the Lord. Does God always heal? No. Paul had a thorn in his side. Of all the guys, God could have healed to demonstrate, and he chose to leave Paul suffering because God's a man of his word. And when Paul accepted Jesus, he said, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name. And that's how God got glory through him. Other people, they're on their deathbed and boom, God heals them and God gets glory from that. And we can both submit to the same Lord and say, God, you're good. Whether you heal me, we know you have the power to, or you don't, and you're going to use my suffering for the salvation because we're eternal people. We're not physically temporary people. But the amazing thing in verse 30, he broke the bread, blessed it, gave it to them. That's when their eyes were opened. Their eyes were open and they believed. They believed. In this moment, he disappears. Where did he go? It's interesting in the account where we see the minds are open and he believes, or they believed. He went. The next account that Luke gives us is he's up with the disciples, showing them his scars and his wounds. They're frightened and he says, Peace to you, which is amazing because with their minds open and them believing, he comes to them, comforting them because they've just three days earlier. They denied Jesus. They betrayed Jesus. Judas did. And and Peter denied him three times. So they're all shaken. They're all messed up. They're all twisted, confused. And they're all feeling that conviction of we let Jesus down. Because we all said we were going to go die with him. And he's the only one that died. And we abandoned him. So Jesus rolls in. Doesn't have to say much. He's there. He's alive. He's risen. There's holes in his hands and his side and his feet. And everyone has that weight of like, yeah, we... We let you down. You know, it's like the chocolate cake on the counter. And you're like, don't eat any of it while well, mom and I go on a walk. You come back and there's chocolate all over the walls, all over their body. And there's no cake on the platter. And they're like, Ugh, you caught us. You know, it's a mess. And it's like, and, and instead of as a parent being like, you're grounded forever. And I might kill, like, that doesn't happen. Jesus says, it's peace be with you. He's like, hey, I know you blew it. I know you, you can't even just follow me physically you abandoned me physically and in in your words you denied me peter but peace that's huge that's so comforting our lord comes and draws near and says peace to you they're startled in verse 37 they're frightened they thought they saw a spirit so he physically shows them the scars the place where he had pain but he is healed and he's like, look, there's a scar right here. It's interesting, the older you get, I didn't know that as a kid, but your skin does weird things with cuts. It, like, accentuates the scars. When I was three, I smashed my face on some bricks right here and split my face open. My face is awesome. looks beautiful, right? You can't even tell. My hand, though, uh, you know, I'm humble about it. My hand, I got a little scratch here cutting a tree last year. Year and it's this massive gaping scar. Like my kids run their fingers on it. I'm like, that was like nothing. Like I had some good stories with my scars and I, this is massive and there's not a good story, but it's a place of pain. And there's places in pain in your life. And Jesus is like, look, I'm the healer. I've come in those hurts and those pains and I want you to have peace. I've forgiven you of your abandonment of me. I've come to restore you to me. And by the way, I'm hungry. You guys got any tacos around here? Like, we got some fish right here and some tortillas. Let's go, Lord. Here's your fish tacos. And they have a meal together because they thought he was a spirit. But he was saying, no, I'm physically here to restore you to me, to heal you. And he says this. He took it and ate it before them. And these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you in verse 44, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So I encourage you, if you're scared about reading the Bible— just look for Jesus in there and the Holy Spirit will show you in Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. It's all pointing to Jesus. In verse 45, he opened their minds. It's impossible to see Jesus in all of this. I'm with you. If you've read the Bible and you're like, I didn't get yeah, I know. Without Jesus, I don't get anything either. With Jesus, it's amazing because it shows us how high the bar is we're supposed to do and how far we fall short. But by God's grace, he comes to us and says, my peace to you. I've forgiven you. I've done the work, so you don't have to. He opens their minds. He says this in verse 46. It is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Verse 47. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You're my witnesses of these things. Interestingly, Jesus comes in and disciples them. The last thing he does is he says, look, I'm gonna share with you, I'm gonna connect with you, minister, and now I'm gonna release you to go and be my disciples. That throughout the whole world, beginning in Jerusalem, you'd preach the repentance of sins and the forgiveness of sins. In your your bulletin, we put in the spiritual diagnostic where, where we are on the wheel. And a lot of people, every time we bring this up, they're, they're like, I'm at the place where I need someone to share new truths and encourage me. Someone was like, man, I love singing these songs that we have today because they're encouraging. It's like, yeah, if we're honest, we all love to be in that infant stage. I love some, some warm milk. Uh, I'm an adult now, so I put a nice two shots in there. But I love warm milk and two shots. I love a good latte. Like, it's so good. And, and uh, just to clarify, like, that's weird. Pastor drinks weren't. No, love lattes. So good. But I can't live on just lattes alone. I've tried. It's, it's rough. I need some meat in there. And as a child, I love to do what I love to do. I love to just be about me. And that's where the child phase, you're, you're, you're connecting, you're having fun, but you're really only in agreement because you both like to do the same thing. Like you both like to watch football or like to golf or you both like to go on walks. But then you get into the young adult phase and that's the phase where Jesus was getting the disciples. Okay, it's been about you. I've been doing these miracles with you. I've been sending you out. But now, now you're about to realize the world needs you to share about me. And this is the beautiful part because in between between the two guys on the seven mile road to Emmaus, which after Jesus left, they're like, now I have to walk seven miles back to Emmaus. At least that would have been my response. So they went back to Jerusalem and, and met up with the disciples for this last Time, But in, in John, we see that heaven's opened up and Jesus ascends at the end of Luke. But in John, before that happens, he meets with Mary. And it's interesting, in John 20, verse 11, Mary goes back to the tomb after they had that initial powwow. And Mary goes back because she, she left. She, after she saw the angels, she left. And she was there just weeping and, and didn't fully get to hear Hey, he's alive. And so she's weeping. She's looking for Jesus. And John chapter 20, verse 11, Mary's back at the tomb. And, and the angels, one at the head and one at the feet, and the angels are saying, Hey, what are, you, what are you looking for? And she says, I'm looking for Jesus. They've taken my Savior's body. If you know, tell me. And she has tears in her eyes. And that's when when Jesus is behind her. And she, and Jesus says, who are you looking for? And she thinks he's a gardener because I think she had the tears in her eyes so she couldn't visibly make out who Jesus was. And she's just adamant about, I need to put the spices on my Savior. Where's the body? And Jesus then says, Mary. And when he used her name, then she responded, "Rab-Rabboni," which means teacher. And she grabs him. And he's like, well, okay, good hug. We're good, but go. You can't hold on to me. And it, it startles me, and, and it startled our, our, our team this morning. I was like, yeah, I'm going to end with, you can't hold on to Jesus. And everyone's like, uh-oh, do we need to find another church? I'm like, you're going to leave on that? I mean, there's been other things maybe you could have left, left on, but well, hang with me. It's in the Bible. Jesus is saying, I need to ascend. I've been on this earth for 33 years, putting yourself in Jesus' shoes. I've suffered for three years. I want to go to heaven. Like, I'm, <laughs> hey, good, good talk, Mary. Don't hold on to me. Because again, she thought the political, the military revolution can continue now. And he's like, no, no, no. I have to ascend, Mary. I'm gonna give you my spirit. You think the flesh and blood is helpful when I'm here? It's gonna be even greater when I'm gone. Because he's referring to John 14 when he said you're gonna do greater works than these when I'm ascended, ruling and reigning, and my enemies have been made footstools. I need to continue to appear and then ascend then you'll have the ministry of the holy spirit in you working through you and that's where i agree it's a, it's weird because this is where we're comfortable with believers to our right and our left and holding tight to god's word but jesus is saying you need to go and tell the apostles <laughs> cuz they're still confused about this and i'll meet up with you guys later you have work to do you need to go serve in kids ministry you need to go serve in the homeless ministry you need to go Pray for your spouse every day who's yet to surrender because they're in what this is the place of pain. We've all seen it on the side of the road with this image. There's crosses lining up on the sides of the road where well, that's the place of pain where people have lost loved ones and they have these hopes and their dreams and, and they see that and they go back to that place and there's that place of pain. Maybe there's scars physically or there's scars emotionally and that's your place of pain where Mary went back to the grave and that was her place of pain because she had work to do. She needed to make sure the Savior's body was laid to rest and that there were spices on it. And Jesus said, no, no, no. It's, it's the the method that relationally I shared with you. Relationally, you're going to go and share with those because I'm alive. This place of pain, I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring Restoration, and now you're going to go and tell the whole world, revealing that I am the Savior, I am alive, and you can believe, be saved, and go and spread that message. Basically, saying as Jesus began in prayer, number one, then listened, He listened to them, He listened to her. What's going on? What are you looking for? He ate with the apostles we saw earlier, He served them. They served him food, and he shared the gospel. Bless. He blessed them. And so as he blessed them and he blesses us, we're to go and bless one another. As God's loved us, we're to go and love one another. There's a a story I heard about a couple that went to to Vietnam, and it was after the the war, and they, they felt called to go build an orphanage. And these kids, they had kids everywhere and they were just a mess, dirty, filthy, junk in their hair and they brought all these kids in when they got the orphanage going and and this this girl who was eight and her brother who was six came in and, and she shared about how tragically their parents were killed in the conflict and they hid out in their house for three weeks before they were rescued and during that time, which just breaks my heart thinking about young kids just trying to figure out how to stay alive for three weeks. And during that time, she said, Jesus came to them and said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. The message of the gospel today is for us to be encouraged so we would go out and share tomorrow. Because there's not always physical orphans, but there's emotional orphans. There's, there's spiritual orphans. That, that There's a place of pain and hurt in their life that they've yet to experience Jesus' promise that I've prepared a place for you. And it was an eternal place, but it was also a physical place. That's where the church is supposed to be established, to be a place for those hurting and lost sinners to come and hear the gospel, believe and be saved, reminded and comforted there's an eternal place Jesus is preparing for us, a seat at the table. And as the tomb is open, It's also a visual that heaven's doors are open, waiting for all and any who would believe and be saved. So as we pass the communion elements, it's a reminder. Every week, the the tombs open, and for all and any who believe, God's wrath was on Jesus, not on you. And so you have entrance. You have your entrance into heaven because it's Jesus who saved you and set you free. And for us, as believers... To reflect maybe on the place of pain. Maybe there's an area in our life where we're just wanting to hold tight to Jesus. There's a season for that. There's a season for Jesus. I'm confused. I don't know what you're here. What's going on? And he comes to us. As he left the two, he got them squared away on all the prophets and Psalms. And then he's like, I gotta go hang out with Mary before we all have fish tacos later tonight. And he was in that moment, but he, he gently said, okay, you gotta let me go. I'm gonna ascend back to heaven. And you have work to do. Now that I've been in your pain, now that I've healed it up, there's always gonna be a scar there and a hurt there. But what's God producing through that pain? You have to let God know about it. You have to let others know about it, that we can we can pray for you and, and work through that pain, that you can then go and love your spouse, love your kids and love your neighbors as God's loved you. That as God's blessed you, you can bless others. And so as we leave, There's been a lot of pain and hurt in this room, but God's not wasting it. Let's go to him now and say, okay, God, here's this hurt and this pain. Give me your wisdom. Open my eyes to see how you're going to grow me through it or how I'm going to meet with my kids or or my spouse, maybe, or a coworker and give them some wise counsel on God, how you're going to use this. Because the beauty of the gospel is when Jesus suffered, he showed us there's not needless suffering there's always a purpose God's going to use it to grow us closer to him or that we might grow through that suffering and be healed and then go help someone else walk through their own suffering and bless them so as God's loved us may we love one another and as God has blessed us may he use that to bless the world and those around us so I'm going to close this in prayer and then I'll come back up and close this after a time of communion God we come to you humbly professing that you did walk out of the grave and is confused and distraught and and really just twisted up the believers the apostles and and the women were lord we thank you for walking through them with gentleness and and caution and care so that they might see you believe and, and be able to go and proclaim that you walked out of the grave we pray for those who are believing that for the first time. They thought they, they weren't good enough or they had to earn your love. But Lord, we, we thank you for that picture of the empty grave is also a reminder that that's our entrance to heaven, that you're preparing places for us to invite people to, for all who believe and receive. The work of your son are saved, and so we pray for those who, who call upon your name and are saved today. We, we, we rejoice, and we pray for those here that are coming to you, saying, "Me, I have this place of pain, and I don't know what to do about it. And Jesus is here, but I need His healing, I need His help, and, and understanding why I'm suffering. And that we would just join that prayer and ask for healing if someone's sick, and if, if Lord, there is a reason that you'd reveal it to them and, and use it for your glory and to bring about salvation. those you're going to work through. In Jesus' name, amen.